Welcome to The Forum with your host, Seema Vasa. Our program is designed to bring you business tips and success stories directly from the people who are making it happen. If you could use a little motivation and a lot of ideas to help you and your company move forward, stick around for the next hour. Now, here is Seema Vasa. Welcome to The Forum. I am Seema Vasa, your host. Today's guests are two young, hip entrepreneurs, Stephen Kuhl and Kabir Chopra. Both are co-founders of a company named Burrow. Burrow essentially is taking on the sofa market in terms of design, price, and delivery. Welcome, Stephen and Kabir. Thanks for having us. Thanks for being here. I've had the good fortune of being at your uh, office and testing out these sofas. I love them. They're fantastic. Yeah, we're so glad you could come check those out. Uh, so, so you guys are smart. Obviously, you uh, met at the Wharton School of Business at University of Pennsylvania, and I, I believe the concept was hatched while you guys were in school. W- was Borrow the first concept you guys really focused on, or was this a series of things that you kind of ideated on? So we actually met through a class at, uh, at school, and uh, for the class, We'd um, listed a bunch of ideas, about 10 to 12, and initially this idea wasn't really in there, but because we'd just moved to school, we had to actually buy furniture, right. and after suffering to, through the pains of buying a sofa and moving it, we sort of put this idea in the hat um, because it made sense after the experiences we, we had personally. That's very cool. And and what was the problem that you guys had when you were trying to buy a sofa? On on my end, I had to, you know, I, I went the Ikea route where I had to rent a truck, drive to the store, spend $600 on a couch that then took two and a half hours to assemble with an Allen wrench. I don't, I don't know if you've ever assembled Ikea furniture before, but uh, you have to actually upholster it yourself with Velcro, which is not the best experience. Yeah, um, yeah. I didn't want to do that again. But, you know, it's hard because I was going to be in business school for two years, and I didn't want to spend two grand on something that, you know, I was going to have to figure out how to move to another city two years later. Um, So I I kind of settled. Yeah, and I wanted something a little bit nicer. So uh, I ended up going to um, a traditional high-end retailer and purchasing a sofa for about $1,200. Though I found it would take 12 weeks to get the gray color I wanted, so I settled for an orange. That's still two weeks. It took two weeks to arrive. Um, yes. And later I found out that it would take another $350 to deliver it to my house. Uh, so I just ended up carrying that sofa on a cart and dragged it to my house. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, after paying that much money, that's really not the experience you want to have. And so Steve and I talked and... Um, found a gap in the market between that IKEA uh, price point and um, you know the high-end retailer price point where we wanted not only to deliver a good product, but a great experience with it as well. And was that early on in, in your school, your time at, at Wharton? And so did you work on the concept throughout school or was this towards the tail end of your time there? It was, it was during the first year um, was when, and in fact, first semester, first year was when we started exploring this idea and doing research research into the space, um, but it wasn't until second semester, first year in the spring um, that we really decided to go after this um, and, and, and pursue it from the perspective of finding a manufacturer, um, raising some money, and, 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 and actually testing for product market fit. You know, I... I, I I know from being having an MBA as well, you always think about market size and what problem are you trying to meet um, and what's the addressable market. When you were going through the research, uh, did you find that there was a, a, a large market for this type of product? I, I think you had shared some numbers, which I thought were quite interesting, Stephen. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it's fascinating. So that's exactly right. The, the, the approach we took was, you know, Obviously, there's a there's a pain point here. So, cou- nice couches cost too much money. They take too long to ship, and they're too hard to move. And so, we want to understand: is there something we can do to, uh, to solve this problem? If we can, is it a big enough problem to solve? Is it worth our time? 
And then three, if it's big enough and it's solvable, why hasn't anyone solved it before? Right. And what we found was, you know, a traditional two to three thousand dollar like high end sofa only costs about four to five hundred dollars to manufacture, but um, it costs a couple hundred dollars to ship it from a factory to a warehouse, another couple hundred from a warehouse to a retail store. Then there's showroom and sales team markups, retailers margin, and that's why it gets to like two to three thousand dollars. And so, obviously, going direct to consumer cuts out some of that cost. The biggest savings would, would come from from reducing shipping. And the way that we figured out that we could do that was to reverse engineer the couch to ship in compact boxes, and then we could just ship it with like UPS ground shipping. Um, and so we realized, okay, this is solvable. Well, how big is the opportunity? It turns out of the $100 billion U.S. furniture market and the $23 billion U.S. couch market, people right. 35 and under account for 37% of all spend which means there's a lot of people who are, you know, moving more frequently every one to three years on average. They're renting longer, putting off buying their permanent home longer. And so these are people who are experiencing the pains of buying and moving furniture, especially couches, all the time, and they're spending a lot of money doing it. And so that's what got us really excited that, you know, we could save a lot of people a lot of money um, in solving this problem. And then the final piece of that was you know, why isn't anyone doing this? And what we found in our research and from talking to U.S. manufacturers was because of IKEA, the entire furniture industry has this negative view of what they call knockdown furniture. Even, you know, even the term knockdown is negative, right? Right. And, and so when, uh, when we approached them, the idea of saying, like, hey, why don't we make nice, you know, high quality uh, with uh, expensive materials, uh, why don't we make a nice couch with that, but that, that comes apart and ships in boxes? And they said, no way. Like, customers aren't going to want to pay for, you know, high-quality materials um, if they have to put it together themselves. And we said, well, what if, you know, what if it's a really high-quality experience and it ships, for, it ships for free and it's an easy assembly and um, we create a really nice brand around it? And, and they were still skeptical. Um, and that was kind of like our aha moment of, you know, this is a barrier. This is what's preventing everyone else from doing this. And so if right. we can just figure out a way to, to make this work, um, we'll be the only ones doing this. Very, very exciting, very bold, I think, as well, when, you, when you're faced with a lot of no's and people are saying, you know, it's not going to work. IKEA's already own, owns a piece of that market and kind of dominates. What I find interesting is that you had an end in mind in terms of what the consumer experience was going to be and kind of reverse engineered the, the sofa itself. Can you talk a little bit about that in terms of how the sofa actually shows up at somebody's house and, and how you've kind of solved the problem for people? So when, when they're assembling their sofa, there's not like a missing piece left and wondering where that goes. Yeah. Can we- uh, so... We really wanted to take apart the entire experience, everything from researching a sofa to selecting it to ordering it online, um, and then receiving it, using it in your home, and moving out if you had to. So we really wanted to redefine that end-to-end experience. Um, so the, the process as we created it is pretty simple. You go online, you choose one of five colors that you like, you choose an arm style, and you choose the size of the sofa. Uh, within a week, you get... Um, between two to five boxes, depending on the size of the sofa, um, at your doorstep, uh, easy to carry up a flight of stairs if you live in a walk-up or have narrow hallways, so don't need to worry about calling a couch doctor. Right. Um, <laughs> uh, Assembly is pretty easy. We, we require no tools. It's just big, um, big modules that you unfold, click together, kind of like Lego, um, and takes less than 10 minutes. Uh, and like I said, no tools required. Um, the great part about this is that you can order a single-seater or two-seater and decide later that you want to add on a module just to grow your seating space. Or even if when you move out, you can uh, break apart a four-seater into two-seater. So it really gives you that flexibility that no other furniture uh, retailer out there gives you. Yeah, that's that's definitely – it's hassle-free. Uh, yeah. You know, I – I think that so much of what you're talking about is experience and, and a relationship with your brand, which, you know, we continue to hear about how millennials are 
really value experiences and and, re- and connect to brands. Uh, have you gotten feedback like that from your consumers? Uh, it, you know, the early days of of people using the product. What's been the consumer feedback? So, in terms of the brand itself, we really yep. wanted to focus on that because. What we'd learned is that there's this huge market of people in their mid-20s, early 30s, uh, even to their late 30s that, that are moving a lot and are being underserved. There's no furniture retail out there that's specifically marketing or, or targeting that segment. Um, and we knew we couldn't achieve um, a great brand without creating something that would resonate with this audience. So right. we couldn't just show you know, old furniture traditional advertising or traditional marketing. So we really wanted to take something that people resonate with. Sure. Um, and so Burrow embodies that lifestyle of that brand that people feel comfortable with. Our ethos is all about comfort, convenience, and experience. And okay. that's, that's really been, uh, that's really resonated well with our customers. Um, for people who haven't been able to buy, you know, great furniture just because it doesn't fit or, um, it just doesn't make sense buying something now and then moving again next year. So there's, and the other things we looked at as well for, um, you know, apart from people who live in smaller homes or just um, don't want to invest that much is we've seen that young mothers or young parents really appreciate that we don't use chemicals uh, in our right. sofas. And so we've really thought about the entire, you know, entire process from end to end, and that shows in our product as well. In fact, we've even added charging ports to the sofa so you don't have to get up and charge your phone somewhere else because more often than not, if you're living um, in an urban city, you're probably blocking the only outlet outlet in your room with the sofa. Right, right. I love that part too because as we all know, we all have electronics that we're plugging into constantly and making sure that they don't die while you're working, working on the sofa. So that's a great feature as well. Thank you. did you guys do a lot of research uh, among among consumers as you were building out the design? Yeah, yeah, we did. Um, it, it, we did a lot of focus groups and uh, did a lot of surveys. And what's great is that because you know Kabir and I are both in our late twenties, um, we're squarely in our target market and have access to a lot of friends and friends of friends um, who also are, are in this market. Um, and so we 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 kind of been doing research since you know for for, for the last ten years, uh, right? By interacting with people and understanding different pain points, and so some of it some of it yeah was form was formal research, but a lot of it was kind of like informal qualitative research that we kind of through conversations with people and experiencing it. You know, if you once you've seen at least ten different people, you know, leaning over the edge of their sofa uh, <laughs> to, to have their phone plugged in to the kitchen right. because just blocking an outlet, it was just like, okay, this is a no-brainer. Like, we should be, you should be able to charge your phone by, by plugging into your couch. Um, and, and so, you know, a lot of the innovations that we did um, were, were based on, you know, real-life experiences that, that, that people liked. Um, sure. And, and, you know, from, from like a color perspective and, and other things like that, like, yeah, it was just more about um, under, working with different Companies to understand you're one of the most popular colors, um, what resonates with people, et cetera, because um, you want it to look nice too. Um, but yeah, a lot of it was just stuff we've collected over over the years. That's fantastic. So we're going to take a short break, but when we come back, I I want to share with our listeners how you actually got this from concept to off to getting it off the ground, and what 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 did it really require from a uh, funding perspective as well as a, a kind of grit perspective. So stay tuned after the break. We'll learn a little bit more about how, we went, how you guys went from concept to actual product. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. Don't fly blind. Blink Insights provides valuable research to support more informed business decisions. We have walked in our clients' shoes and understand their challenges. We will work with you to understand your information needs and deliver actionable results through innovative and cost-effective solutions. Blink Insights will partner with you to help you make strategic decisions about your brand and better improve your positioning, your product and service development roadmaps, and your delivery to customers. 
We work with a variety of clients. Call us today at 516-494-0077 or visit blink-insights.com. Starting, building, and growing a company is hard in itself. Doing it on your own is even harder. You need a partner on your side who can help. Infinity Squared Ventures works with you to understand your goals and design options that can help you accelerate your business. We have creative ways of working together that allow business leaders to still realize their visions. Visit infinity-2.com and let Infinity Squared Ventures get started with your company. That's infinity-2.com or call 516-591-0270. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to facebook.com forward slash voice America or search for the keywords voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to facebook.com forward slash voice America or search for voice America. listening to The Forum with Seema Vasa. To talk to Seema or her guest this week, please call 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to info at infinity-2.com. Now back to the program. Welcome back to The Forum. I am speaking to our guests today, Stephen Kuhl and Kabir Chopra, both co-founders of a company called Burrow. We were talking on the last segment of, of the, the product itself and, and the unmet need that the product uh, really delivered to consumers. And it's, it's fantastic to have such a great concept and people resonate with it. But taking a concept to actual product uh, requires money. And I would love for you guys to share a little bit about how you guys funded this venture uh, through the early days and up till now. Uh, yeah. So I think fundraising for an early stage startup like this um, can be really challenging, especially for first time entrepreneurs, which, which we are. Sure. Um, and it's, it, it, the long, I will say, the, the longer we've been at this and the more traction we've gotten, the easier it is to, to raise money, um, as it should be. But right. it, it was really hard. It was really hard in the beginning. Um, you, you know, we started out going to friends and former bosses and asking them for money, and because they believed in us, that was a really great first step um, in getting some money. Um, then we got in the Y Combinator and getting backed by them was a really big proof point for us. Some of the partners ended up personally investing in us. Um, and, and then it's just kind of grown from there um, where we've, we've raised on what are known as safe notes, a simple sure. agreement for future equity. Yeah, it's like convertible debt um, without the debt. And it's a really flexible instrument which allows founders like ourselves to raise as we go um, as opposed to needing to do a big formal round um, where everyone wires money on the same date. Um, right. This allows it to, to be a little more flexible. Um, it, it is. It does require a little bit of hustling, and you end up with you know you talk to a lot of people, you get a lot of no's. It's really frustrating. Yeah. Um, but it, we, we we've been able to scrape together enough money to to prove the concept and and get to where we are now. That's great. And when you talk about it, you know, it requires a lot of hustling. Give us a flavor of what that's like. You know, how many people did you call? How many meetings did you have? Uh, give, give our listeners an idea of how how what the time requirement is to actually get the funding that you guys received. It's uh, it's it's amazing how different it is from from investor to investor. I think from uh from a total number of meetings perspective, I don't know. It's, it's hun- literally hundreds and hundreds of meetings we, we've taken. Um, That's amazing. Yeah, it, and some of them are quick and easy. Um, right. We've had phone calls to someone for 15 minutes that wants to invest $100,000, and it's like, that's great. I, I could do this all day. And right. then there'll be somebody else that wants to have 17 meetings and phone meetings. calls and due diligence stuff to write a $20,000 check, and you want to, like, you know, you want to blow your brains out. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, it, you know, once, but once you do get some momentum and you learn the kind of tricks of, you know how to how to how to get people motivated to move faster 
and 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 to get through the diligence process faster without wasting too much of your own time. Right. Um, you know, it gets it gets easier and easier. I don't yeah. want to say it's ever easy, and you're always. I think every founder has this um, false I, false hope that they're going to be done fundraising soon, and then they're kind of always fundraising. When right. I talk to any of the founders, they're like who are even years ahead of us. They're like, "Sorry, man, you're you're, you're going to be fundraising forever." <laughs> well, it's good that you know that now. You can mentally prepare for it. Yeah. You, yeah. Exactly. You, I think, Stephen, you had also said, and Kabir, that there were signs or signals. Like, you could get to a point where you knew within minutes that how serious an investor really was in, in terms of, you know, funding, providing some funding for your company. Would you like to share any of those tips or thoughts? Um, yeah, so there's, there's a, couple of, a couple of different tips I can, I can give and, and kind of things to say. One is... Very few investors actually want to give you a real no. Um, and so learning things like the A-pass, which is where they'll say, oh, you know, we're really interested in you. This is great. We'd love to invest, but you're just a little bit too early for us right now, which really means we, we don't want to invest in you. And no is a right. no. And so like, just learning that anything that sounds like it could be a no is a no. Um, okay. And then when you're not raising with a, uh, with a, with a lead investor on a price round, right. um, people who say like, I love this. Like once you get a lead, we're in all, all that means is we don't make our own investment decisions. We follow other people. <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> um, if you don't have a lead, don't waste your time talking to them. Um, and then, yeah, just in general, you start to pick up on, on, on little phrases and words that people use and the tone, um, and you can tell whether or not they're going to move quickly or not and whether or not they're going to get to a no with, like, various degrees of, of certainty. Um, sure. But it's, it's, it's interesting. It, it, it's a huge game, and once you learn how to play it, it's great. But um, it took us a while. We definitely, early on, especially last year, I remember having many conversations, Kabir and I, where we were, like, really excited about a certain investor and now, looking back, it was like there was no chance that they were going to invest. Yeah. I don't know why we wasted so much time talking to yeah. them. You know, I, it's, a very, it's very similar to sales, right? If you're doing B2B sales or even consumer sales, there are uh, tips and, and tricks that you kind of realize when you look back and say, oh, that was obviously a no. But, you know, in the heat of the excitement and, and kind of interest that people show, it does, it does take some time to figure that out. Yeah, and the other thing I'll say is, uh, as, a, as a piece of advice is for any founder, don't be afraid to push people um, right. in standard ground. I think you're always afraid, like, oh, we won't get the money if we push too hard. No, if someone wants to invest, they're going to invest. And if you say to them, hey, are you, like, are you in or out? We're, you know, we're about to close the rounds. We've got a lot right. of interest. Um, I need to know if, you, if you're going to do this or not. Um, you know, Sometimes a, a, a faster no is, is way more helpful than, you know, sugarcoating it and, and allowing them to really think it through longer. Um, you need to know where you stand and, you know, your time's valuable and you don't want to waste time dragging them along. Right. You almost appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and, and we've definitely had people where they've said, oh, we kind of want this term or that term. And we said, nope, you got to decide. We gave you the terms, yes or no. And they said yes, um, and and you know, and that's and that feels good. To know that, you know, people want people want in on, on a deal, so right. they'll, they'll take the terms that you give them. Yeah, it's pretty bold, though. I mean, I think you're right. When you're when you are asking for money, it's almost like you feel like you have to kowtow a little bit, but um, it, it, you're almost taken more seriously when you kind of define the terms a little bit more in terms of timing and flexibility. Yeah, yeah, it's very awkward learning that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you did a good job. You you guys also won some awards, right, or contests to help fund the startup early on. Did you Did you win an award at school or or yeah? Um, yeah. Um, so, so it was actually our last semester at school. Um, we applied for the same award the previous year, but heard a no, uh, which is okay. one we learned uh, to deal with. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this year we did apply and uh, we actually won the award. Uh, it's by the uh, Pen Design Board. It's um, the Pen Design Award. Uh, so every year there's one winner, and um, 
they give you a grant of about $50,000. So really lucky to receive that because there were a lot of great products uh, displayed there that were just purely design-focused. And so right. um, the fact that you know we're an in-home uh, piece of furniture that won a design award, we're, we're really proud of that. That's fantastic. And I, I think that's another tip as well, that there's all these sources, not all these sources, but there's creative ways to raise money as well, not just the traditional go out and get investors. There's, you know, I know networks, alumni networks and stuff like that always have different um, types of things like you just mentioned that could be of, of interest in terms of raising some money as well. Yeah, and I think those, um, you know, different avenues are something you should definitely explore. And I think they also help motivate you because it provides that validation. Um, I think both Steve and I as founders, you know, we believe in the business and we you know, live this 24 hours a day. But right. there's always that small doubt in your mind, like, is this really going to happen, no matter how sure. big you are, how small you are? Yes. Um, so I think it's good to apply for these and uh, you know, just find sources of validation so it keeps you motivated through and through. And that's great for uh, the company you're building and the employees you have. Um, it just sends a positive message across your organization. I totally agree with that. And I think, you know, so much of what you just talked about, Kabir, is also when you start early, it's almost it's almost like you're mitigating against failure, right? This has to be successful. And so when you get those pieces of validation, it's like, okay, this is real. This is happening. And, and other people are seeing it as well. So I, I, I totally agree with that. I think it's, it's, a great, it's a great tool on many levels. Yeah, definitely. You, people, I used to worry a lot when, you know, before we raised money and then I, after we raised money, I started worrying even more because now you have investments from real people and it's a real business. So um, that, that itself motivates you, I think. Yeah, it's, a, it's always a different, set of, uh, a different set of problems, I shouldn't say, but perspectives that you manage uh, depending on which phase of the business you're in. Yeah, exactly. So, so when you when you raise the money, and I, I'm just going to lead here, and then we'll take a short break. But when you raise the money, what was the first thing that you needed to do, uh, in in terms of being able to spend the money? Did you guys have a hit list and a priority list of things that you needed to absolutely go get done first? Yeah, I think the number one uh, object, objective for us with the money was to actually build out the prototype because we literally had a slide deck with a picture of a sofa that we'd rendered. Right. Uh, but to turn... Okay. And it looked terrible. Yeah. <laughs> it did, it did look terrible. But to turn that piece of paper into a physical product that's, you know, a giant product um, that no one, and do something that no one's done before, right. that was the biggest challenge for us when we, uh, when we raised money, after we raised money, sorry. No problem. So that's what I want to talk about when we come back. Exactly. Like, walk us through the steps. I mean, you guys really, from what I could tell, didn't have any furniture experience. And the steps you took in place to take a prototype to actual manufacturing. So when we come back after the break, hear more of the story when we go from concept to actual product. Stay tuned. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Don't fly blind. Blink Insights provides valuable research to support more informed business decisions. We have walked in our clients' shoes and understand their challenges. We will work with you to understand your information needs and deliver actionable results through innovative and cost-effective solutions. Blink Insights will partner with you to help you make strategic decisions about your brand and better improve your positioning, your product and service development roadmaps, and your delivery to customers. We work with a variety of clients. Call us today at 516-494-0077 or visit blink-insights.com. Starting, building, and growing a company is hard in itself. Doing it on your own is even harder. You need a partner on your side who can help. Infinity Squared Ventures works with you to understand your goals and design options that can help you accelerate your business. We have creative ways of working together that allow business leaders to still realize their visions. Visit infinity-2.com and let Infinity Squared Ventures get started with your company. 
That's infinity-number2.com or call 516-591-0270. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to facebook.com forward slash voice America or search for the keywords voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to facebook.com forward slash voice America or search for voice America. Listening to the Forum with Seema Vasa. To talk to Seema or her guest this week, please call 1 866 472 5790. Again, that's 1 866 472 5790. You may also send an email to info at 2com Now back to the program. Welcome back to the forum. I am speaking with Stephen Cool and Kabir Chopra, both co founders of a company called Burrow. Prior to break, we were talking about fundraising and kind of the tenacity that's required to do it. This segment, we wanted to talk a little bit about how these founders spent their money taking a concept to actual physical product. So so what was that like, guys? I mean, again, no furniture experience. Everything was, I'm sure, studied and researched and perfectly calculated. But when you actually, it's now time to go build the prototype what do you actually have to do? What's required? So the the process for building physical products is so different from anything else out there. Tech products, even the fundraising process, which are both things that, you know, hard work and hustle can, can speed things along and, and move you faster. Yeah. But building right. physical products is just not, it, it, not as easy. And, and so what we found is there are two things. Number one, you can't uh, put a specific timeline in place to solve a problem that's never been solved before. And for, for us, creating a, a couch that reverses, you know, that, that comes apart um, and, and can be shipped in compact boxes, but then can also be assembled very easily um, with no tools, um, was, was, was hard to, harder to accomplish than we anticipated. Um, okay. And so it's like a long series of trial and error um, and every part, every step in the way, when you're coming up with these new custom parts and ideas that you want to test out um, after you've designed them and 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 and, and, and ordered them, um, it takes time. Like, so you order these prototype parts, um, you got to pay money, you got to wait for shipping, and then they right. come, they arrive, and you test them out, and then you figure out what works, doesn't work, and then you go back to the drawing board and, and, and start over. And I think we underestimated just how long that process would take. Um, you know, we knew we would go through probably 10 to 20 different iterations, but I don't think we realized right. how long it takes to receive parts in between. Um, and then, and, and then even when you do figure out the, the, you know, the prototyping process and you've landed on, on something, moving from prototyping into mass production is a, is a whole beast in and of itself. Yeah, I can imagine. Let me ask you a question on the prototype. Did you guys actually physically put the prototype together, or did you actually hire somebody to help you uh, put that together and kind of, you know, test it and 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 trial I, I would uh, the experience? Um, so we actually so we started working with our manufacturer uh, early on from the prototype stage. So. We would, Steve and I would fly down there almost every week or every other week to okay. build out the, the prototypes with them. Um, while we had, you know, CAD files and while we had, you know, models and an idea of what the sofa was, we really didn't have the talent on board like mechanical engineers, structural engineers right. to help us um, understand if the model we'd built was something that would translate into, a, you know, a physical good that, that actually works. Right. So, we would fly down there and start building these things and do rapid prototyping. In a week, we would go through three or four prototypes um, and just iterate on different ideas. I think we started with, I would say, about 12 different uh, assembly ideas of how the couch could come together but still fit in boxes and quickly narrowed those down. And then once we found one that sort of worked, we started just building up from there and did about 20 other iterations to that that single process itself. So... It was really us just flying down and seeing if things worked, and 
once we found a solution that seemed really good as a prototype, as Steve said earlier, it it was another mission just getting that to production. Right. And how did you pick when you, two things? You said you were flying down. Where where was your manufacturer that you selected? Uh, out of out of in Mexico. Yeah, the manufacturer was in Mexico, and okay. The reason of us selecting the manufacturer in Mexico was because we as uh, we talked about earlier, Steve uh, and I met with a bunch of manufacturers in the U.S. and they just weren't ready for this type of product. Oh, that's um, right. Interesting, right? And so we had to look elsewhere. We looked in China. We looked in Mexico. Um, and luckily, through a network connection, we were able to find a manufacturer down in Mexico that was excited to not only prototype but scale and grow this business with us. Um, that. That's good to know. I know a lot of listeners, entrepreneurs, always have ideas, you know, and they they have no idea how to where to go to next, right? A concept is a concept until you can show a physical product. So it's good to know there's manufacturers who work with people, founders, to kind of help design and prototype uh, the concept that they have. Yeah, I will say that that process of beginning to work with a manufacturer in Mexico was a little right? scary. Um, you know, we get a Skype call with the CEO of the factory and everything sounded good. And then, you you know, we flew down to Mexico City and then we're in an Uber for 45 minutes going north of the city and we're going oh, to a ghetto territory. And, like, so it's all <laughs> your mind, like, what are we doing? Like, I have no idea what this place is. Like, are we going to get jumps as soon as we get out of here? Um, That's funny. We're going to get kidnapped. I don't know. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It, it obviously out, um, and, and so there's obviously there's for sure a lot of luck involved. Um, of course, and we got lucky there. But yeah, that was that was a little bit scary in the beginning. So once you develop the prototype and you kind of nail down, you know, getting it manufactured, how how long was that time frame from prototype to be able to say now we are ready to take uh, orders or pre-orders? What's the time le- the the length of time there? So we actually started taking pre-orders just by the nature of wanting to prove that the business could work. Um, we started taking pre-orders at the end of July okay. of last year. And uh, we thought we were going to start delivering in October. We were like, oh, we'll have the prototyping done. We'll have manufacturing set up. We'll be all good to go. Uh, that was not the case. Um, it took us an extra three months before we could start d- delivering um, on, our, on our initial schedule. Um, and the reason why is basically because we had never done this before and because um, I don't think we understood the full uh, gamut of things that goes into manufacturing physical products that have, an, you know, using an international supply chain from multiple right. continents. Things. Um, and then on top of that, just anything that could go wrong went wrong because we were doing something new. I mean, we even... <laughs> We dealt with stuff that was literally as ridiculous as, like, a, a box supplier, which you think, you know, the boxes for packaging, probably the easiest part of this entire thing. Um, right. The supplier told us one, one time, uh, I was down in Mexico, we were supposed to receive a, a massive shipment of boxes, and literally the day they're supposed to arrive, they email us and say, oh, these are going to be a, a month and a half late. And oh we were goodness. like, you got to be kidding me. And <laughs> that that saga in of itself, like, we were like, okay, we, we'll find another manufacturer or another box supplier, you know, to, to produce boxes for this first batch of couches that need to go out to customers, but we had a photo shoot the following week in New York that required getting some of the couches in Mexico up to New York City for that shoot, and we'd already invested several thousand dollars in this, and this was going right. into our new website, like, it was really important stuff that we've been planning sure. for a while, so there was really no way we could miss this. Um, our manufacturer was like, well, guys, you know, if you don't have, we don't have boxes, like, we can't ship these things. And I was like, no, 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 we're going to figure out a way to do this. Um, and so I, I literally called up every search result on Google Maps for cardboard to see if there's anyone that made boxes. That's amazing. Nearby. Yeah, we found this, I like, the ninth or tenth call, um, which I'm having, you know, the, the CEO of the factory translate for me over the phone. <laughs> uh, and by the ninth in place, they, in front of places that had the right corrugated cardboard, there's just these giant sheets of cardboard. They didn't make boxes. And we, so we sent a truck over there 
um, picked up like 70 sheets of this cardboard, drove it back, um, and then on our CNC router for cutting the, the wood for the couches, right. we, made, yeah. we made a, yeah, we made a trace um, of what the boxes look like, and I showed the workers how to physically carve by hand um, the, the box shape out of these sheets of cardboard and was, was manually folding the cardboard and gluing it together and made these really janky boxes. I spent literally the entire night in the factory. Um, everyone was looking That's at me amazing. like, That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, but I was like, we got, we got to get this, we got to get these couches out. Um, right. And, and actually, there's a, there's, a, there's a lot more to the story. I'll, I'll, we'll keep it brief, but right. Um, that was only the beginning of like all the issues for that photo shoot. We we had a bunch of parts that were supposed to arrive in the factory to go the assembly mechanism parts that go into the couch. Um, they didn't arrive in time, and we had to ship the couches out, get them over the border. Something got messed up with the paperwork, and they got delayed at the border, um, and so they weren't going to arrive in time for the photo shoot. And we had to, I had to source this like, we had to like tip, tip UPS to like put the oh couches out of the system, take them out of their ground system because they wasn't going to get there in time, and have right. this like sketchy hot trucking service pick up the couches. Hot trucking is where you have one driver that's driving while the other one sleeps and they take turns so they can legally be just driving for 24 right. hours straight. And they drove the couches from Texas all the way up to New York. <laughs> that's amazing. Uh, that's a great story. <laughs> I mean, that's amazing. So they were there for the photo shoot. You got them in time. Yep. We got them We got them just in time to, uh, <laughs> to fly <laughs> up the CEO of our factory with the extra parts and then put those parts in the sofa and get them ready the morning off. You have to send me the photo shoot. I, I definitely would love to share that with listeners because it, it sounds like a, a huge feat to get there, to get all the materials in place to do that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Does so, the photos so look great? I, I'm sorry? Uh, the photos look great. Oh, good, good. You know, it, <laughs> it, it definitely takes a mindset to, go, to overcome all that. And when we come back, I, I would love to talk to you guys about, you know, wh- what's what's the requirement for entrepreneurship thus far for you guys? And, you know, would you would you do anything different? What lessons could you share with our listeners about what you might do differently? So when we come back, we'll get a little bit more of an inside view of kind of the, the mental or emotional strength uh, that's required to be able to do a startup like this. Stay tuned. We'll see you after the break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Don't fly blind. Blink Insights provides valuable research to support more informed business decisions. We have walked in our clients' shoes and understand their challenges. We will work with you to understand your information needs and deliver actionable results through innovative and cost-effective solutions. Blink Insights will partner with you to help you make strategic decisions about your brand and better improve your positioning, your product and service development roadmaps, and your delivery to customers. We work with a variety of clients. Call us today at 516-494-0077 or visit blink-insights.com. Starting, building, and growing a company is hard in itself. Doing it on your own is even harder. You need a partner on your side who can help. Infinity Squared Ventures works with you to understand your goals and design options that can help you accelerate your business. We have creative ways of working together that allow business leaders to still realize their visions. Visit infinity-2.com and let Infinity Squared Ventures get started with your company. That's infinity-2.com or call 516-591-0270. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. listening to The Forum with Seema Vasa. To talk to Seema or her guest this week, 
please call 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to info at infinity-2.com. Now back to the program. Welcome back to the forum. I am talking to Stephen Kuhl and Kabir Chopra, co-founders of Burrow. We just heard their harrowing story of how they took a concept to prototype, but they did it and they accomplished the goal. And I wanted to talk to you guys now about how, what are the requirements for entrepreneurship to get to this phase in your mind? Like what, if you had to isolate three things that you you need as for characteristics that were required to get to this stage, what would they be? And I, I, I'll start with Kabir. I think for me the top thing is you, you really have to learn how to deal with failure. Um, it's, it's really a constant uphill battle where, you know, as Steve mentioned, we, we plan a lot of things and everything that can go wrong will go wrong. And right. that's when you sort of have to back yourself to say, you know what, I'm going to try 10 things more and hope sure. that at least one goes right. And so... That, I think that mentality is really important where you just are relentless in your approach to getting, um, getting the result despite failures. That's a great tip. That's a great tip. So never, never giving up, basically, you know, knowing that you're going to hit bumps in the road but, and, and, and experience failure, but just keep going. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say, um, I think the, the other thing that really sort of drove me is uh, – Starting from starting a company from scratch is something you never. I mean, it's very hard to start something off your own and actually build it and grow it. So you hold it really close to yourself, and you right. want to be involved in every aspect of the business. But you need to learn to know when to let go, um, especially when you bring on people and employees, and you need, need to learn to trust them and be able to delegate the duties to them. Not everyone's going to work the same way you are, so I think it's important that. Um, you're ready to sort of move on to the next step um, sure. and hand off those duties to to your team, uh, even though it's your baby. Right. That's good advice. How about you, Stephen? Any, anything that you, w- what are the things that you would um, point to as, as kind of characteristics that, or, or philosophies that you live by to get you to this phase? Yeah, no, I, I'd echo everything Kabir said and just kind of put everything under the umbrella of confidence. It's confidence in yourself to, uh, right. to wake up every day and say, yep. like, I know I can accomplish this. I'm going to get more done than I, than I thought I was going to get done. Um, confidence to take action. Um, mm-hmm. I think you can do all the planning in the world, but planning doesn't actually get you anywhere. And you have to have right. the confidence in yourself and your beliefs and your, um, your past progress to say, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try this out, and if it, if it, if it doesn't work, that's okay. I'll learn from it, and and I'll, and I'll keep going. Um, right. You can't be timid in what you're doing, and then finally, just confidence in in the business that you're building, and and this goes along with what Kabir was saying, that you, you'll hear a lot of those. A lot of people will tell you that what you're doing can't be done. Right. Um, and, and I think it's important to remember how many wildly successful businesses exist um, that. People in their like at many points in time along their journey told them you're not going to work, this won't work, um, you're going to fail. All these different you know negative forces going against you, and you know if, if you didn't, if you don't have confidence in what you're doing, it, it's not worth your time because it's never going to work. Um, that's, so just having confidence advice. in yourself, the business, everything. Yeah, that's great. And and what's next for Burrow? What's what's on the horizon for Burrow? Can you guys tell us the next kind of big goal or, or milestone that you guys want to attain? Yeah. You know, for, for us, our, our ultimate goal is, is, to, is to really own the entire living room. Okay. You know, couches are the big pain point. They're the yep. center of the living room. Um, but that's only the, the beginning for us. I, we would like to create an experience for customers where if they're moving to a new apartment or they just want to furnish their, their home, they can right. order their entire living room to be delivered in a week in compact boxes. They can assemble it all in about an hour, every single part of it. The, the couch, the coffee table, bookshelf, side table, back chairs, get pillows and blankets and all that kind of stuff. 
And if and so if we can do that and provide that entire living room experience for the same cost as a high end couch, um, then that's incredibly valuable to to the modern consumer. Um, because realistically, people are moving more and more frequently, and that trend's only going to continue to grow. Um, and so we would like to be the ones that provide them with the best experience out there. That's a great vision. I, I know it's almost like a pop-up living room, if you will, right? It, you can assemble everything in less than an hour and get set up and you're home again, depending on your next. Exactly. Uh, that's, a, that's a great vision. And are you, is your goal to be in that place in the next five years, next two years? What's what's the vision there? Yeah, I would say the next two years um, we'd like to get there and then and then just and then just grow and reach as many people as possible. Um, right. You know, as soon as we started taking pre-orders for, for this, we had requests from people on literally every continent except for Antarctica for, for our couches. And, and so I think... The same problems that play people in the U.S. play people everywhere. Um, and so I think there's also an opportunity for us to expand internationally. That's great. Uh, let me, um, if people, we've been talking about this great, fantastic couch. How can somebody actually get, uh, purchase one? Um, simple. Just log on to borrow.com and um, we'll ship right away. Uh, you get the couch you in, uh, in less than a week. That's fantastic. We really, pre- I really appreciate you guys being on the show today, uh, uh, sharing your story. We'd love for you guys to come back uh, soon and kind of update the audience as to where things are. But a very heartfelt, honest, um, real perspectives of, of your journey thus far and wish you all the success as, as you go forward. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us. Thank fun. you. Keep in touch. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed listening to Stephen Cool and Kabir Chopra, co-founders of Burrow, sharing their real uh, struggles, their successes as they launched their business from concept to actually building the product, getting pre-orders, raising the finance, and really sharing kind of their perspective in terms of the tenacity, the grit that's required to be able to get something off the ground. And it seems to me passion seems to be the thing that permeates between these guys to to get to attain their goal. Look forward to having you back next week listening to our show. Have a great week. We are so glad you've joined us for the forum. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time with your host, Seema Vasa, on the Voice America Business Channel. Until we talk again, have a good week. Oh,